I really believe God has, has words for us this morning and throughout this series. I, I think we maybe have lost focus. I think maybe we've got distracted. You might have even uttered these words uh, this week or in the last few months. I'm hoping to get a fresh start once all this is done. So today, I, I want to share part two of this series, which is just transform, transformational clarity in us. What's it actually mean to be transformed and in that actually have a, a clear picture? I, I want to encourage you, and, and Johnny and Sarah are starting a, a young adults small group, and I know that Marianne has her women's small group starting, her Bible study starting. Groups are going to be the key for us. Uh, whether or not we, you have had past experience in small groups, whether or not you remember your name on the wall and you got forced into a small group where you had to make friends or you've never been a part of a small group, we want to encourage you to, to start to consider being a part of a group. You're going to hear us talk about groups over the next few months. Groups are going to be our way to keep connecting, our way to keep the church going as we Continue to walk through what God has for us with, with COVID. The Old Testament and the, the New Testament in the Bible are, are filled with many examples of God giving his people a fresh start. Because God is always the God of second chances. He's the God of new beginnings. He's the God of starting over. He's the God of beginning again. He's the God who specializes in giving people fresh start. Many translations of the Bible, of Scripture, use the term made new. You might have been able to, to hear that word, made new, to describe what I'm talking about. I love the message translation. It actually uses the word fresh start, which I believe describes it perfectly. So let me show you a few examples. Don't worry, you don't have to turn in your Bibles quite yet. Here's the first one. It'll be on the screen. Zechariah 10, verse 6, from the message, says this. God says, I, I'll save the people of Joseph. Now remember, God's speaking. I know their pain, and I'll make them as good as new. They'll get a fresh start, as if nothing ever happened. Why? Because I am their God, and I'll do what needs to be done for them. Wow, what an incredible promise. Aren't you glad that God knows and cares about all the pain that you go through? He felt everything that you went through this year. And aren't you glad that no matter what happens in your life, He can make everything as good as new? And aren't you the, glad that the God says, that God says this, sorry, I'll do what it needs to be done to give you a fresh start. You can almost count the number of times in the Bible that God gave his people, Israel, a fresh start after they messed up. Let me show you another example. It's in Hosea 14 verse 5. This one's in the message too. God says this, I will make a fresh start with Israel. They will burst into bloom like a great flower in the spring. After a season of, of cold and darkness, he says they're going to blossom with new beauty like spring flowers. You might be thinking, well, that's great, Matt, but wh what about me? 
How about this one from Psalm 145, verse 14? In the message, it says this, God gives a hand to those who are down on their luck, and he gives a fresh start to those who are ready to quit. Friends, have you felt like giving up? Have you felt like quitting? Maybe you felt like I did this week. Let's just throw in the towel. It's always too soon to quit. Martin Luther King is best remembered for a famous speech that said, I have a dream. But wait, what made Dr. King so great was that he courageously went after that dream. He didn't just dream it and talk about it, he started to actually do it. So friends, what dream does God have for you? When are you going to get started on it? You might say like I do, well, one of those days. One of those days is none of those days. God's word gives us the simple steps for getting started with a fresh start, with the made new Let me walk you through a few thoughts on committing to this fresh start and actually getting out of the mud that you might find yourself in. Here's the very first one. You and I need to stop making excuses for not starting. Have you ever been around someone who makes excuses for everything? You've probably noticed that those people are really good at making excuses, happen to be really good at nothing else. The biggest barrier to my success and your success are my own excuses. Let me show you what God says about four common excuses that you and I make. Excuse number one, I just don't have what it takes. In the Bible, Moses and Jeremiah and a lot of other people tried to use this excuse on God when he had an assignment for them. But my favorite example of I don't have what it takes is Gideon. God told this young man named Gideon, Gideon, I want to use you to liberate, to change, to take my people from the enemy that seems to be oppressing them. And here's how Gideon responds in Judges chapter 6. Pardon me. I love that relationship with God. Hey God, pardon me. How can I save Israel? My clan, my group is the weakest. And beyond that, not only is my clan the weakest, I'm the least in my family. Verse 16, the Lord answered, I will be with you. And you're going to strike down all the Midianites. You'll leave no one alive. So here's the answer when the insecurity in your life comes up where you say, I don't have what it takes. You're not going to do this by yourself. God says, I'm going to be with you. And if I'm with you, this means you can rely on my power, my presence, my promises, my protection. There's nothing to worry about. Last week we said this, one plus God always is the majority. Well, here's the second excuse. Matt, I've I've failed in the past. Well, everyone's failed. You're a product of your past, but you're not a prisoner of your past. You have a choice. You're not a victim unless you choose to be. Now, I know without a doubt in your past, other people have hurt you. 
Other people have harmed you. Maybe even other people have scarred you. But no one can ruin your life except you. It's your past is a past. It's over. It's water under the bridge. It doesn't have to control you anymore. And by the way, did you know that God is far more interested in your future than your past? Here's what he says in Isaiah 43, verse 18. Forget the former things. Don't dwell on the past. God's saying this, see, I'm, new, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not see it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Well, you might say this, Matt, what about my failures that are in the past? God says this simply, just admit your mistakes, confess your sins and move on. Proverbs 28, 13 says this, whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. Friends, that's a fresh start. Well, maybe you have excuse number three, which is this. There are things I can't control, Matt. Yes, I can't control the weather. It's supposed to be nice this week. I can't control the economy. I can't control other people. I can't control how long this pandemic's going to last. We could go on and on. And what's worse We'll never be able to control people. You and I have to live our life for God and do whatever God's calling us to do in the midst of uncontrollable circumstances and problems. So what do I do? Well, I control what I can control and trust God for the rest. I control my attitudes. I control my reactions. I control how much I trust God. That's my choice. Let me be honest with you. I've talked to a few people who've put everything on hold in their life during this pandemic. They act like they're in limbo. They do nothing. They're just waiting. And they're the ones that are getting the most frustrated. Of course, we can't do everything that we want to do right now. But that doesn't mean we can't do something. It does not mean that we just coast passively and waste these days during the pandemic. Proverbs 24 verse 10 gives us this warning. If you falter in times of trouble, how small is your strength? Let's just look at that for a second. If you falter in times of trouble, how small is your strength? Remember, strength is attached to our trust in God. Now, during these days, have you stopped trying? During trying times, we've got to keep trying. Yep, there's a lot of pain. There's a lot of trouble in this world right now, but we're not helpless. I've noticed that, that people during this pandemic that are complaining the most are the ones that aren't serving anyone. They're complaining because they aren't getting their own needs met. Well, excuse number four. Matt, I, I just don't know what the future's going to hold. Let's go back to uh, Ecclesiastes 11, verse 4. In the New Living Translation, it says this, If you wait for the perfect conditions, 
you'll never get anything done. Great words. So the first thing that you do, if you want a fresh start, stop making excuses. Well, what's the second thing? Well, you need to take an inventory of what you have. We, we list, we evaluate what we've got to work with. How do we do that? There's a personal inventory that we could take. Let me give you three questions. Question number one, what are my assets? What are my spiritual gifts? What's my heart, my abilities, my personality, my experiences? Your greatest spiritual asset is that you're a child of God. Colossians 2 verse 10 says this in the living translation you have everything you have when you have christ that's a lot of assets we have everything we have when you have christ well the second question that we can ask ourselves is well what have i learned what have i learned what have i learned this past year sit down write down some lessons write down lessons that you've learned galatians 6 uh, 3 verse 4 says this Have you experienced so much in vain if it was really in vain? I hope not. Now, you want to pay close attention to your painful experiences because God never wastes pain. God doesn't waste hurt. Instead, we need to learn from our pain. We need to learn from our mistakes. We need to stop rehearsing them, stop regretting them, start learning from them. You see, innovation is always built on failure. It's how we learn. It's how we learn when things don't work. So whenever you have a mistake or you have a a failure, don't call it a failure. Call it, I'm learning. I'm becoming educated. 2 Timothy 3.14 says this, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those who you've learned it from. Then the third question, who could help me? Proverbs 15, 22 says, plans fall for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. One of the most common reasons that people fail to reach their dream is ego, arrogance, and pride. We're too pride to ask for advice. They think, I've got a dream, I've got to figure it out myself. What does the Bible tell us about pride? It always leads to destruction. The Bible tells us that God gives grace to the humble. Why? Because the humble are teachable. Well, let's keep moving. The third thing that we need to do is we need to act in faith. God is not moved by Matt's complaints. (laughs) He's moved by Matt's faith. And in Matthew 9, 29, it says, according to your faith, it'll be done to you. Matt, how do I know if I'm acting in faith? You know you're acting in faith when you attempt to do something that you couldn't do in your own power. You know you're acting in faith when you're attempting to do something that scares you. Maybe the next few weeks need to look like us setting a personal goal where we simply go, God, with your help, I'm expecting to accomplish this specific task by this date. You see, that kind of goal is a statement of faith, and it, faith always honors God. Most people never set goals for their life because they're worried they're going to be a failure. 
Proverbs 16, 9 says this, we should make our plans counting on God to direct us. Once again, that's from the Living Bible. So that's one of the ways you can do it. We have no clue when the pandemic's going to end. What you want to be instead of what you want to do. What kind of person do I want to be at the end of this pandemic? How do I want to be different? How do I want to be more like Christ? What weakness is it that I need to work on? You've got complete control over that. It doesn't matter how long COVID lasts. What kind of character do I actually want to have at the end of COVID? And by the way, God is way more interested in who you become than what you do. God is far more interested in your character than your conduct. Because you're not taking your, care, your career to heaven, you're taking your, your character. Hebrews 11.6 says this, that great hall of faith chapter, without faith it's impossible to please God. I need to refocus my mind in this pandemic. If I want to change my life, I've got to change the way that I think. Changing your thoughts is a key to a fresh start in any area. Your hobby, your career, your relationships, your marriage, your parenting. Ephesians 4, 23 and 24 says this, Be made new in the attitude of your minds. Put on a new self. That new self is created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So what's a renewed mind or how do I refocus? Here's what it says in Psalm 1. Blessed is the one who walks, who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. But those whose delight is in the law of the Lord, who meditates on his law, his word, day and night. That person who meditates actually is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season, whose leaves do not wither, whatever they do prosper. Wouldn't you want that to be true in your life? I need to meditate on God's word every day. Not meditate on what time is Dr. Dina Hinshaw coming on? What time is the news on? What blog post could I read today? When you have a thought, you need to challenge it. You think about what you're going to think about and go, do I actually want to think about this? Maybe you need to ask yourself, do I want this thought? When you have a thought, you first need to ask yourself, is this really true? I can't tell you how much that'll change your life. Maybe for some of us, we're just playing old tapes in our minds. Start asking yourself, is this helpful? Is it true? Do I want this thoughts? All your feelings are caused by thoughts. And if you don't like the way that you feel, change the way you think. And if you don't like your thinking, well, then replace it with a different thought. Let me tell you a little secret about your mind. You don't have to believe every thought that you have. Proverbs 4.23 says, Be careful how you think because your life is shaped by your thoughts. Here's the final one. Trust that God knows what he's doing. I don't have a clue what God is doing. But I can trust that God knows what he's doing. 
He's a good God. You see, when God is working in my life or your life, when he's preparing us for a fresh start, I often can't see it. If you can see it and you can see what he's doing, you may still not understand why he's doing it. You can see what he's doing in your life, but you can't see why he's doing it. That's where we need to trust God's plan and intention for our life. And that God's intention and plan is always good. I can trust God. I can trust that God knows what he's doing even when I don't understand it or why things are happening in my world the way that they are. Maybe you didn't hear any of it today. I want you to hear these last few words. I want to close with a principle and a promise. Here's the background of the principle. One day, God told a prophet named Jeremiah to go to a potter's house and watch the potter making clay pots on a pottery table. And God said, I I want you to go to this potter's house, watch what's going on, and I will give you a message there. So Jeremiah did that, and he goes and finds the potter's house, and sure enough, the guy sitting at the potter's wheel, and it's turning, and he's taking a lump of clay, and he's molding it, he's fixing it, and then he notices something. If you have your Bibles, this is in Jeremiah chapter 18. Jeremiah 18 says this, Verse 1, this is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house and there I'll give you a message. So I went down to the potter's house and I saw him working at the wheel, but the pot that he was shaping from the clay was marred, was broken in his hands. So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as seemed best to him. I want you to notice three things. Sometimes things don't turn out the way that you and I intended. Just like the potter. The first pot didn't turn out the way that he intended. Number two, I want you to notice that that when that happens, the potter just starts all over again. And number three, the potter uses the same clay. He doesn't throw out the clay, he just takes the same clay that he tried to make something and didn't work out the way that he wanted it. He takes that same clay and actually reshapes it. And after Jeremiah saw this object lesson, God explained it to him in verse 5 and 6. Then the word of the Lord came to me, he said, Can I not do that with you? Can I not do that with you, Matt? Just like the potter does. Like clay in the hand of a potter, so are you in my hand, Israel. There's the principle and promise. I don't know, but this last year, or even before that, you, have re- you may have really made a mess of your life. It was marred by decisions of others, actions of others, or maybe it's been marred by your own decisions and actions. And guess what? You're the pot. That's who you are. It is scarred from bad decisions that you made and things that have been done to you. And as a result, this life did not turn out the way you intended. But guess what, friends? You are not the potter. God's the potter. You are the clay. 
And just like the clay, just like the potter, sorry, God does not throw out the original clay that has been misshaped by circumstances. Scarred, misshapen, didn't turn out the way that God intended. God didn't waste all that pain that you've been through. He doesn't throw out your personality and the essence of you that he gave you. The clay, the stuff he made you with, no. Instead, he takes every part of you, all of you. That includes the good, the bad, the ugly, and all of that in the clay. And everything you've experienced. And you know what he does? He puts you in his gentle and strong hands. And once you're in his hands, God starts over fresh start on shaping your life. And he begins to work on you lovingly, but firmly like a potter. And he begins to reshape you, applying pressure at just the right places to mold you and remake you into a beautiful, priceless piece of art. And that's what brings glory to God, and that's what brings glory to you. But that all happens when we choose to surrender ourselves completely to God's loving hands. And we trust that God is the potter. Friends, that's what it means to start fresh. Jesus actually used the word born again. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, When anyone becomes united with Christ, he becomes a new person inside. That's a fresh start. I said it at the start, I'll say it at the end. God specializes in new beginnings and fresh starts. So today, even in the midst of a pandemic, let's take that first step toward a fresh start together. Let's pray. God, thank you for who you are. If I said anything that wasn't of you, take it from my friends' minds. If you used me in a small way to encourage my friends, make it about the Holy Spirit that prompts, guides, and leads. We love and adore you. May this week we walk into a fresh new start. May we not use excuses of, I don't have the resources. There's no way I could do it. I'll start some other time. May we start living the life that you've called us to live right now. God, we pray once again for our land tomorrow that you would be honored in whatever is decided by the people who make Canada so great. And God, in a real selfish way, we pray that you'd heal our land. We love and adore you. Bring us back together next week. We ask all this in your name.